Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew chapter 9, we'll begin reading at verse 1, And he entered into a ship, and passed over, and came unto his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeking their, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. I want you to notice here in this passage of Scripture a truth that is prevailing in the lives of many today. Many find it very difficult to believe that God can heal through men today, but they believe that God can forgive sins through men today. But back then, it was easy for them to believe that God can heal through Jesus, but extremely difficult for them to believe that God would forgive sins through Jesus. See how things have changed? It's the reverse today. We don't question someone when we hear of them leading somebody to Jesus and saying your sins are remitted and now you have eternal life, you're a child of God. But there's great controversy made over those who say, not only is it God's will, or let's say it this way, not only can God heal, but it's also God's will to heal every sickness and every disease. Beloved, I believe it's God's will to heal every sickness and every disease. Amen. Shall we pray? Our Father, we come before your presence in Jesus' name to give thanks to you for your holy written word that unveils to us the living Christ. Thank you for attentive ears, open minds, receptive hearts, as we, as an act of our will, choose to receive from that which you have to give by your Spirit through your Word. Spirit of God, we yield ourselves to you and your teaching ministry. Cause revelation knowledge to flow within our hearts. Unveil to us the deep, rich treasures of the Word. Quicken us according to the Word, that we may be doers thereof and not hearers only. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost, Father, to boldly proclaim the truth of your word and demonstration of the spirit of power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our purpose in having special healing services and teaching on the subject of divine healing and health is to create an atmosphere that will make it easier for God's people not only to receive healing, but also to enter into the rest of divine health and life, divine life. For God has something better than even divine healing. And of course, that is divine health and divine life. 
where the life of God is so made manifest in our mortal bodies that sickness and disease germs can't even live in our bodies. I know many will question that and say, is that achievable and obtainable or attainable in our lives? And we must preach the whole counsel of God. Paul said his desire was that the life of Christ would be manifest in his mortal body. Amen? That was his desire. He believed he contained the resurrection of the dead while at home in a body. And although he didn't attain that ideal yet, he was certainly pressing toward the mark. Amen? Praise God. So we have to preach God's best because we believe that there will be those who are out there who will be sincere enough in God, consecrated enough in God, separated enough in God, dedicated enough to God that they'll give themselves over unto this kind of a lifestyle. Amen? I know they're out there. But if we don't preach it, of course, people will not hear it. They will not receive it then. How is our purpose accomplished? Through the teaching of God's Word is number one. Because we know that as we teach God's Word, God's Word being taught produces faith. Personal faith in the individual believer's life. And then, of course, we understand that we are to live by faith. And so whatever is attainable or achievable in God must come by means of faith. So without the teaching of God's Holy Word, there will not be faith in the hearts of people to receive their needs met and to achieve what God has given to them as their divine potential in life. Secondly, through generating miracle working power. And what this does is it causes a greater anointing to be made manifest among the people. And we know by the scriptures that the anointing breaks every yoke of bondage. For by the anointing, the yoke is broken. And that's not just referring to sickness and disease. It refers to anything and everything that the scriptures say that the anointing will achieve. And very quickly, number three, we also believe that by accurately yielding to the Holy Spirit of God, we can produce the manifestations of the Spirit within our midst so that by the working of miracles and by the gifts of healings and by special faith, see, people also can either receive their healing and begin to be ushered into that rest of divine health and divine life. And so when it comes to the, the field of spiritology, we recognize that there are different means and different ways that God can cause us to enter into this rest that He has provided for us. Just as we recognize and realize that when it comes to medical science, there are different methods or different means that are being used to help people to experience health and well-being within their lives. Whether it be through preventive uh, means, through teaching people about rest and good habits when it comes to eating and, and all that, or whether it be by, you know, receiving... Uh, some kind of medication or shot to prevent something, a sickness or a disease. Some people receive flu shots so that if they have injected in them a, a little bit of the sickness or the disease, they feel that they can be immune to that. And we know that that, is, that happens, that people, you know, they utilize that and avail themselves to that, and they'll do that, and that's the medical science way. You know, of course, we understand there's another method or another field, which is called the field of surgery. Where a part of the, of the body is, uh, or a growth in the body is surgically removed in effort to do what? To take it, to remove it from that body, to preserve the life of that body. But we understand that there are limitations to that. You can only take out so many vital body organs. Take out one lung and you know you live. But if you take out both, that's it. So we don't belittle any of that work. We just recognize or realize the limitations that are there. But we're just talking about the different means or different ways that are being used. And we can go on and on with that, but that's not our purpose. 
Our purpose is to reveal God's ways. For my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As my thought, ways are, and thoughts are higher than, as the heaven are higher than the earth, and so are my ways and thoughts than your ways and thoughts. And that's just, that's just the way it is. And so we have to recognize that, realize that, and begin to pursue the ways and the thoughts of God. Amen? Of the Most High. Well, if you are in need, or if you know of someone who is in need, make note of these things. Number one, it is important that you do your part and begin to cooperate with God by, number one, studying the Word of God concerning the subject of divine healing and health. It is imperative, essential, absolutely necessary that the individual begin to do something to cooperate with God because God has already made His move. When the Father sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die on Calvary's cross, bearing our sins and sicknesses, He made the initial move. From that point on, it is up to the individual person to do something about his or her own health and well-being by responding to what God has done and studying out God's Word to determine what it says about that subject. Because the Bible said, my words are life unto those that find them, and my words are health unto all of their flesh. And he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their afflictions. So if we don't do our part by studying the word of God, then what we end up doing is, more or less, we're having other people work on our problem. And ultimately, wanting God to work on our, on our problem without any effort or energy being expended on our part. And that is wrong. I tell that to people all the time, especially if, if there's an area where there's marital problems and people come in for marriage counseling. And sometimes you'll advise them to, and counsel them to, to read this book or read that book or study this out and study that out. And if they come back and don't do it, then what you find out is that people expect you to work on their problem, but they're not working on their problem. Did you get that? And you see, that's wrong. That's the wrong attitude to maintain. We don't have any magical formulas and we can't wave a magical wand and expect things to happen. It requires effort, energy, and work expended on our part if we are to receive from God. Because we must do our part because the things of God are not automatically received. We must do our part. We must, first of all, begin to study the Word of God concerning divine healing and health. Secondly, it is important that we recognize that there is no substitute for being spirit-filled. Because, you see, if it's by the anointing as well as the word that the yoke of sickness and disease is broken over our lives, then we must also recognize that that anointing in the individual believer's life is increased when that person, he or she, is filled with the Spirit of God. And the Scriptures teach us that if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken our mortal bodies by His Spirit that is dwelling within us. It's not enough just to be saved. Thank God that we are saved, but that's just the open doorway. Let's move on into the deeper things of the Spirit. Be Spirit-filled with evidence of speaking with other tongues and activate that greater anointing within our lives because the anointing, once again, the Bible says, will do a lot of things. It'll break the yoke of bondage and, and undo the bands of wickedness. Let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Thirdly, we must recognize this. There is no substitute for being where the Spirit of God is moving. There is no substitute for that. And very often what you'll see is, is individuals, and, and, and believe me, we do not criticize, belittle, or say anything against any individual person, especially if they are combating a sickness or a disease within their body that's trying to take his or her life, that person's life. 
But if we are going to receive from God, it's important to recognize we have our part to play and there are certain things we should be doing. Studying the Word of God, being Spirit-filled, generating miracle-working power, and also putting ourselves in a position where the Spirit of God is moving. And sometimes the last thing a person wants to do is to go to church somewhere if their body is being so violently attacked by a sickness or by a disease. But let's remember this. We cut ourselves off from the moving of the Spirit. And I recall an individual person who was being destroyed by cancer to such a degree that this person couldn't even walk. But it was her desire and request that the, that the people would take her to the church services where they were holding revival meetings. And, I mean, they had to just take her in there, carry her in there. She couldn't stand up. They had to stand her up at the altar to be prayed for. And she didn't do this just one time. She did this five times in a row. I mean, she kept coming to church. They had to take her to church. I mean, in, in the natural, if you look at that, you'd say, my goodness, let's show some compassion and sympathy towards this person. But it was her desire to go there, to be there. And because she did, the fifth time she went to the altar, the minister had a revelation from God and the, and, and the gift of the Spirit went into operation. And by that manifestation of the Spirit of God, that person was delivered from that, sick, from that sickness and disease called cancer and set free. Now, my point is this. Had she not come, I doubt she would have been healed. She would have died. She was a young person. Is that understood? Had she not come, if she didn't go to where the Spirit of God was moving and where the gifts of the Spirit could be in operation, then she wouldn't have received. But thanks be unto God that even though she was in that weakened condition... Even though she had to have people stand her up, hold her, actually hold her up at the altar, she wasn't concerned about any pride. She said, I'm going. I'm going to avail myself to everything that God has for me. You know, I tell you, it's just a whole lot better testimony. Even if a person doesn't receive, because let's, let's, let's face facts. Even if the person doesn't receive and goes and departs to be with the Lord, the Bible says it's far better for that person. Isn't that true? I mean, thank God. I mean, if the devil wants to try to come and steal and take our lives away from us, which, of course, we know that's his business. The Bible teaches us that. Does he really win? We're not losers, my brother and sister. I mean, we want God's best. We strive for God's best. We desire God's best. And we'll fight for God's best, the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. But let's never, never, never think that because someone didn't make it as far as in the appearance of things, that they're not better off because they've gone to be with Jesus. They're in the presence of the Father. They've entered into the realm of the no mores. No more sickness. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more anguish. No more this. No more that. Amen. It's far better for them for its gain. But I want to be bold about it and proclaim it loudly. Although the devil may come to steal, to kill, to destroy, we can't be passive when it comes to these things. Although Jesus has provided for us a better way, a better covenant, upon better promises, it's not automatic. We've got to become tenacious in faith, ardent in zeal, and violent when it comes to force. To grab a hold of that which belongs unto us, to lay hold of eternal life because it's ours. And I'm talking about using everything within our being, the forces of life. To drive out the work of the enemy. Amen? It's not just going to happen. It's going to happen because people are accurately applying the word of the living God in their lives. Taking their stand. They're positioning themselves. Establishing their hearts. 
Their minds are fixed. They're immovable, unshakable when it comes to what God has spoken and God has said He cannot lie. And I mean you fight the good fight of faith. Today, of course, our purpose is to minister the healing power of God to God's people. And I believe it's, it's scripture for us to have services where we lay hands upon people or just allow the Spirit of God to move and teach God's Word so that the hearts of people can be prepared to receive the anointing that will break the yoke of bondage. Number one, make note of it. God said that the teaching of His Word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose of His will. It will prosper in the thing where He sent it. And that's why we continue to teach the Word. Number two... The anointing is designed by God to do what? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. And that's why we worship and praise and pray and generate miracle-working power. You shall receive power, power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And by praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, we actually generate that miracle-working power, which is able to do what? Allow God to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. But notice... It's designed to break the yoke of bondage, loose the bands of wickedness, and do the heavy burdens and let the oppressed go free also. So it doesn't matter whether or not your situation today is physical, if it's emotional, or if it's just the, the binding up of a broken heart. The anointing in this place can also do all these other things. And just by coming into battle contact with that anointing and then releasing faith in it, how do I get faith in it? By just seeing what the Bible says about it. It says it, it will loose the bands of wickedness. It will undo the heavy burdens. It will let the oppressed go free. It will break every yoke. Amen. That's what the anointing will do. All those things. So as we come into vital contact with that, with, with the anointing, believing those things, then praise God, as we activate our faith in it, it will accomplish that purpose of the Father's will. And then thirdly, of course, as we said, we know that the Spirit of the living God, one way or another, is going to quicken our mortal bodies. And the primary way is by being filled with the Spirit, believing Romans 8.11. But also, as we are here in, in, in this place where the Spirit of God is moving, He is allowed to manifest Himself in the love gifts to come upon the lives of people as, the, as He wills to do the work of God in accomplishing healing and deliverance in the lives of people. So let's remember these things, beloved now, I want to share with you from God's Word and from this passage of Scripture uh, something I believe is absolutely essential, essential to our lives and something that is going to be a, a beautiful faith booster and builder in our lives. I use this when it comes to teaching people how to receive the Holy Spirit. But as I began to meditate through this and study it out, the Father said, why can't you do the same thing when it comes to divine healing and health? And so I'm going to title this message... Healing made easy. Healing made easy. And I want you to look at verse 5 of this scripture here in chapter 9, verse 5. Look at For whether is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and walk. In other words, what is easier for God to do? To forgive our sins or to heal our physical bodies? Obviously, from God's viewpoint, it's just as easy for Him to heal the body as it is for Him to, to forgive sin and to recreate a human spirit. Isn't that true? From God's viewpoint. But from man's viewpoint, that was different. These people saw Jesus healing the sick. 
casting out devils and doing all that, that great work in the, in the bodies of people. But when Jesus said that this man, your sins are forgiven you, they became vehement. I mean, they were absolutely, they accused him of blasphemy. They were absolutely outraged by what he said. And that's why he says, well, what's easier? You make a, you, you think there's a difference here, but what's easier in the sight of God? For me to say, your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk. You judge. And he says, but that you may know that I've been given the authority from heaven to forgive men their sins upon this earth or to have their sins remitted. And that what I'm doing is in the plan, purpose, and the will of the Father God. He said to the man who was sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed and walk. And right before their very eyes, they saw the man not only healed, but if they had any kind of spiritual insight, they would have recognized that his healing was wrought because he was forgiven of his sins. Now, as I said prior to all this, in the day in which we live, it's all reversed. We don't argue with people. We don't criticize people, ridicule people, or accuse people of blasphemy just because we hear them leading someone to Christ saying, Now your sins are remitted. Do we? You're forgiven. For us, you see, it's easier for us to believe that God forgives sins through people as they lead them into the way of salvation. But it's more difficult for people today to believe that God not only can, but also will heal every sickness and disease. It's just the reverse of all this. And once again, it's not whether God can or cannot. His ability to do so is not questioned, but His willingness to do so is what is questioned. Now, I know that He can, but I don't know that He will. But I like the way Jesus put it, which is easier. Think about it. Let that sink in. Which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say arise and walk? One you can see, the other you can't. Which is easier? Well, once again, from God's viewpoint, they're the same. It doesn't matter to Him. But from man's perspective, it's a little bit different. Today, once again, we think that it requires more of God, from God, to heal the body than it does to save the spirit. We don't recognize that it's the same power that heals that saves. It's the same faith that heals that saves. See, we've been taught that forgiveness is easy to achieve. Easy to receive. No question in our minds about it. We don't doubt it for a moment or for a second. But when it comes to the healing of the physical body, we war with all kinds of doubts. We war with unbelief, criticisms, and the like. But my brother and sister, if you listen carefully this morning, I believe healing is going to be made easy. Unto all of us. Healing is going to be made easy. Jesus classified them together, put them in the same boat. And he said, which is easier? I want you to notice in Matthew chapter 7, if you would, go on back. You're in 9, go on to chapter 7. Why is it today that we believe this way? That so many doubt God's willingness to heal and to deliver when back then they doubted God's ability 
to save and to forgive sins through people. Not His own personal, but through people. Is it because God has changed? Is it because God doesn't love people as much as He did back then? Is it because the New Testament is a failure and the plan of redemption is not successful? No. Is it because prayer doesn't work? The only thing that has changed is the perspective of men. Man has changed. The church has utterly failed to preach the fullness of the gospel of Christ. And ministers have not fulfilled the great commission. And they also are not giving out the whole counsel of the living God. And for those reasons, man's perspective has changed. God has never changed and He never will change. But through the years, man has changed in his own ideas and his own attitudes. But by this one message, I believe, my brother and sister, our perspective will be changed forever. I want you to look at chapter 7 to verse 7 of Matthew's gospel with me so that we can see that not only is it easy for God to heal, but if God refuses to heal His children, then God classifies Himself as being worse than an infidel. And He says an evil father is far better and more loving than the heavenly father. See, when I teach people about being filled with the Holy Ghost, I go to Luke 11. And that scripture that talk about basically the same thing here, only in Luke 11 he talked about the Holy Ghost. If you being evil can give good gifts to your children, when they ask bread, you don't give a stone. When they ask an egg, you don't give them a serpent. How much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to those who are His own? And right away... Beams of, of light begin to flood the spirit of the person who is listening. And they begin to recognize that if God doesn't give me the Holy Ghost, that'd be like me not giving my child a loaf of bread when he or she is hungry. And it settles the issue of faith within their heart because they realize that faith is merely believing that God is what He said He is. A Father. And if He is a Father then obviously he has a father's heart. He is not an infidel. He is a provider of every good thing. And he is moved and motivated by love and compassion to give, not only to his own, but also to a lost and dying world. But I don't come as a sinner. I come to you, Father, as a child. I'm asking you for the Holy Ghost. Will he give him? And, of course, the answer is yes, because would you give your child that loaf of bread? And the answer is yes. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. If you ask the Holy Ghost, will the Father give them to you? Yes. More so than you would give your child the loaf of bread. That makes it plain and easy, doesn't it? How many of you can see that? Is that simple? But have you ever viewed healing this way? Look at the Scripture with me. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you shall, it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receive it. He seeketh, find it. And to him that knocketh it shall be open. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? 
If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? I ask the question, is healing good? Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. I ask you a question. Is healing the children's bread? Is healing the children's bread? The crumb had enough power within it when activated by faith to deliver and heal the Syrophoenician's daughter from that grievous vexation that was placed upon her by demon spirits. She said, I'm not looking for the bread. I don't want the whole loaf of bread. All I desire is the crumb that falls from the master's table. And Jesus said, Oh, daughter, great is thy faith. There's enough power in that crumb to deliver. Go as you believe it's done unto your child. Can you see the compassion rising up in the heart of the master as he proclaimed how greater faith was. How pleased the Father was to respond to that type of faith. My brother and my sister, I want us to recognize something. Healing is the children's bread. We've got the whole bread of life. We've got the whole loaf. It belongs to you. It belongs to me. And if you as a child ask your father for bread, would he give you a stone? No. No, a thousand times no. What will he give? The bread. What's the bread? Healing. Healing. To deny it would mean that he is worse than an evil father, a natural father who supplies the needs of his own children. He is worse than the natural father who sees his child starving and yet says, I'm sorry, I have nothing to give, when he has it all right there. My beloved, it's time to recognize not only can God heal, not only does he have the ability to heal, not only is he willing to heal, he is more than eagerly yearning to provide that which is necessary for health and wholeness and well-being, then a natural father is eagerly yearning to put food on his own child's table when that child is starving. How easy is it to receive? Which is easier? To say, arise and be healed? Or to say, thy sins be forgiven thee? Turn to 1 John chapter 1. Which is easier? God our Father would be less loving and less good than an evil father if He has the means and yet doesn't choose to use it. And we know that our Father is not that way. How easy is it to receive healing? We've made it so difficult so complex, so hard for us to see. And I think we've done that 
because we failed to look accurately at the Father heart of God and apply these simple principles of truth to Him as a loving Father. You give to your child. I'd give to my child. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful, that is, to the blood of Jesus, and just to forgive us. And that means not only to cleanse us from the unrighteousness, but it also means to wipe away the penalty or the consequence of our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And all we have to do is to identify ourselves with our sins. All we have to do if we sin and fall short of the glory of God is come before the presence of the Father and say, Father, I confess to you that this day I have sinned. I did this, I did that, or whatever it was that you did. I blame nobody else. I identify myself with my sin. I take full blame and full responsibility for my actions. I am wrong. In your loving kindness and tender mercies, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me of my unrighteousness. And by faith, I believe I receive that spiritual need met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you're not a man to lie. I'm not an infidel. I asked you forgiveness as a son. And you said, if I ask good things, you'd provide them for me. Even more so than a natural earthly father would. Give his child what is necessary for them to stay alive physically. That's how easy it is to receive forgiveness. It's a matter of the heart. But my brother and sister, you know how easy it is to receive healing for our physical bodies and deliverance for our minds, it's that easy. Jesus said, which is easier? It's that easy. But we miss it because we make it complex. We make it so difficult. We make it so hard to achieve. It's a matter of the heart. Father, I see you as my Father. Father, I come to you as a child. I confess to you that that sickness was laid on Jesus. I identify myself with the Lord Jesus Christ. He bore my sickness. He carried my pains. He identified himself with me. What Jesus bore, I need not bear. What Jesus took, I need not take. So, Father God, I thank you for the bread of life. Father God, I thank you for the healing of my physical body and I receive it now in Jesus' name. And just as we walk away from that place in prayer saying, I thank you, Father, that my sins are forgiven. I'm cleansed from all unrighteousness. And I thank you for the blood of the Lamb that has made me every whit whole. We can walk away from that place in prayer and say, Father God, I thank you that Jesus Christ bore my sickness, that Jesus Christ carried my pains and with His stripes I am healed and you are my loving Father and you have provided... For me, the bread of life, I receive of that which belongs unto me, and I thank you for it right now, dear Father God, in Jesus' precious, holy name. That's it. That's how easy it is. And once again, when we do this with somebody to receive salvation, we don't question anything. We don't look to feeling. When we do this with somebody to receive the, the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they see that, and they recognize that the Father has to give me what, what I'm asking for because He's certainly not worse than an infidel. 
They thank Him for what they've received and they go on with Him. And they develop their gift. Well, my brother and sister, this morning, the Father wants us to know the same truth applies to divine healing of the physical body. If we ask our Father bread, His answer is yes. He is more willing to give us the good things that belong to us than an earthly father is to give his child natural things that will sustain his or her life. All we've got to do is ask and believe we receive and we have. That's it. All we've got to do is ask, believe we receive, and we have. And thank Him for it and bless Him for it and worship Him in it and rejoice in it and get so caught up in the beauty of it that you don't even know when all your symptoms leave your body. All we've got to do is confess. Confess that Jesus bore our sickness. Confess that Jesus carried our pain. Confess that the Father is, is a Father of love who gives and provides good things for His children and receive the bread, the bread of healing. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. That's how simple it is. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.